Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Hey, uh, good morning and welcome to Lighthouse Community. Really glad you're with us today. My name is Fritz. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here and thank you for being with us. I especially want to welcome all of our guests who are here for the first time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you you really could have been anywhere on a Sunday morning and the fact that you chose to be here uh, is a real blessing and we take that uh, very seriously. So thank you so much. Um, do you want to welcome everybody who's joining us at Lighthouse Online, wherever you might be. If you're here in Hancock County, maybe you're joining us somewhere else. We're really glad you're here. And and then we do have some additional special guests this morning is uh, Bluffton Community is joining us as well. And so, hey, Lighthouse, can we let Bluffton know that we're glad they're with us and we love them? Yes. Yes. So if you don't know about Bluffton Community, check them out. They're just a few miles south, a little bit closer to the equator. I think they have better weather there this morning, but you know, all kinds of good stuff. We are one month into the new year. And my question is, how are you doing on your resolutions? How are those going? Oh, that's not good. (laughs) Chuckling at that question. Probably not good. So uh, you you may or may not know this, but the top two resolutions that are made uh, almost every year um, without fail are exercise and then something to do with money, right? Those are the top two resolutions that most people make. And so when it comes to money, most people make the resolution they want to spend less and they want to save more. And so uh, they get kind of ready, they get excited early in January, and they put their plan together, their budget, you know, we're going to move this money here, we're going to do this, we're going to cut this out of our life, we're going to add this into our life. Um, You know, they get their plans together, do their budget, reach out to a consultant, look up Dave Ramsey, see what he's doing today, and then, you know, they figure out they're going to put their whole life together in less than 15 days. And so they have this plan, most people have this plan for spending, Most people have this plan for saving. The question is, do you have a plan for giving? Right? That actually tends to be, whether you're a Christian or not, that tends to be one of the most overlooked aspects when it comes to putting that financial plan together is a plan for giving. Most people overlook intentional giving. And when you overlook generosity, and especially when you begin to resist generosity, it actually begins to lead to things like apathy. Uh, begins to Apathy can develop into anxiety. You start worrying about a lot of other things. Uh, anxiety can actually develop into suspicion of other people, what they're doing, what they're not doing. And that can actually go full blown out in some ex- uh, instances, leading to fear, and even to isolation, and you cross into protecting, right, what you have now. And if you were here for the last series as we were going through Unselfishly Committed, you know that one of the things that Jesus desires for every one of his followers is to love one another in very, very practical ways, the ways that Jesus loves us. And so today, what I want to do from the scriptures is I want to show you the secret to becoming more generous and then one step that you might take today to actually step into that. If you brought a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you uh, at all of our locations to open up to Psalm 24. That's where we're starting. Psalm 24 is in the Old Testament, uh, largest book in the Old Testament. When you find Psalm 24, I would also like you to find 2 
Corinthians 8. So Psalm 24 is where we're starting. We're going to make our way over to 2 Corinthians 8, so you can just kind of put a mark or a finger into 2 Corinthians, and that would be fantastic. Uh, While you're finding those passages, I do want to take a moment and pray together. So let's pray. Lord, this morning, uh, my prayer is simply this, that your voice would be far more profound, far more heard than any other voice in this place today at any of our locations, that we would sense the presence of the Spirit of God, and we would hear you speaking directly to our hearts through your scripture and through the teaching. That's our greatest desire, and we ask all these things in the great name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. So what we're doing is we're kind of building this theology of generosity. You kind of have to start with some, uh, some ideas, right? Some truths, some principles that overarch everything else. And so one of the first principles we're going to start with is found in Psalm 24, uh, right in verse 1. Uh, and it said, well, actually, let's do this. Let's read this passage out loud together, starting with the earth is the Lord's. Uh, at all of our locations, are you ready? Go. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. And so what Psalm 24 verse 1 is making this really, really clear truth is that God owns everything. That's, that's the starting place when you're developing a theology of generosity, or you're even talking about the word stewardship, right? It's the reality that God owns absolutely everything. It's all his right? And so the question I think naturally gets begged, why? Why does God own everything? Because that's the statement that verse 1 says. Thankfully, verse 2 answers why. Look at what verse 2 has to say. So the earth is Lord's, everything's in it, the world and all who live in it. Why? For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. And so what Psalm 24 verse 2 is affirming is that which was already revealed in Genesis chapter 1, is that God is the creator of everything, right? Everything comes from him. He, it all originated from him, right? The universe, the stars, the galaxies, our planet, right? Uh, everything that we have here, it's, it's from him because he created it, and it belongs to him. And in fact, not only... Do do all of creation belong to God? But did you know that actually you belong to the Lord too? You see, we we, we kind of try to figure out, go, you know, what's my identity? Who am I going to be? All that kind of stuff. Actually, your identity belongs to the Lord as well. Did you know that? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 puts it this way. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. You, you belong to the Lord, right? He gave you life. He put his image on you. Your identity is actually his identity, right? that, That doesn't even belong to us. And so everything belongs to the Lord. So when you see that with clarity, right, that's the first big idea is that God owns everything. Well, if God owns everything, then what does that make me, right? I think that's a natural question to wonder. And so what that makes you is actually the second truth that comes out when you're building a theology of generosity, and it's this. 
I am a steward. I'm a steward, right? And, and so uh, that's not a word that we use a whole lot, right? You used to use that uh, referring to the people who took care of you on the airplanes. Uh, you don't use that word anymore, right? They're flight attendants or whatever. I'm not sure. I'm not up on the lingo. Uh, but anyways, a steward, if you want to get down to its basic function and its, and its root, is a steward is one who manages another person's resources according to the wishes of the owner. That whole definition is very, very important. Let me say it again. That a steward is one who manages another person's resources according to the owner's wishes. That's what a steward is. And you and I are stewards, right? In fact, we were made to be stewards. Uh, shortly after God created man, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we find out what man is going to do. And it says this, that the Lord, excuse me, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. That was his role. It was to, to take care of it, to watch over it. He actually didn't give it to Adam. It didn't now belong to Adam, right? There's another passage in Genesis 1 that says he's going to rule over it, but it doesn't, because it belongs to it, actually he's going to function as a steward. He's going to care for God's resources the way that God desires him to do that. And, and there's two really important secrets to stewardship that you have to understand. And if you overlook these, you'll actually step into areas you really don't want to step into. The first secret of stewardship is this. Never claim ownership of that which doesn't belong to you. That's the first secret to stewardship. Never claim ownership of that which belongs to you. So it begs the question, what belongs to you? Nothing. <laughs> Why? Principle number one, God owns everything. And so the secret to stewardship is never claim ownership of that which doesn't belong to you. In fact, Jesus tells a parable about this in Luke chapter 12 uh, of a master who goes on a trip. Uh, he places his steward in charge of everything he has. Well, the master's taken a long time in coming back. And so what happens is a steward begins to treat all of the master's things as though they belong to him. He starts using them as his own. He starts abusing the other servants. He begins living as though he is the master. And then out of nowhere, suddenly, the master shows up unannounced. You don't want to be that steward when the master shows up unannounced, right? Luke chapter 12, if you want to find out what happens to that guy, uh, right? But that's the first principle, the secret to stewardship, is never claim ownership of that which doesn't belong to you. But there's a second secret to stewardship as well, and it's this. Seek to know the character and the desires of the owner in every matter. Seek to know the character and the desires of the owner in every matter. That's actually the primary role of the steward, is to know the character of the owner and to seek out his or her desires on every single matter. 
because you're just managing another person's resources, and so you want to manage them the way that the owner would manage them. Again, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable similar to this. It's actually a parable about three stewards this time. Uh, the master gives them uh, each uh, an amount of money that belongs to the master, and he says, here, steward it while I'm gone. Two of the stewards knew the character and the desires of the master, and they go out and they do exactly what the master would have done. And then there's this, and by the way, they get rewarded. They're celebrated. They're like, man, th this is it. What, you know, my faithful servants. And then there's this third steward who didn't know the character. He thought he knew the character, but he was wrong, right? He thought he knew the desires of the master, but he actually didn't. And so what he does is he does something totally out of character with the master's resources. And when the master comes back, right? Actually, that steward gets thrown out of the kingdom, right? What he has is taken from him and he's thrown out of the kingdom. And so you have to know that one of the key responsibilities of a steward is to know the character and the desires of the master about everything, right? You're seeking that out all of the time because God owns everything, which means you don't, right? Which makes me a steward, whose primary goal is to know God's character and desires. And so the question is, what's God like? That's the next natural one. And I'm going to tell you, this is not everything uh, about God, but this is one thing that's really, really central about who God is. This is the third truth, is that God is generous. God is generous. That is so clear, abundantly clear from the scriptures. And by the way, I was looking up and thinking about generosity this week, and I came across this absolutely wonderful definition that has really been just kind of living inside of my brain for a little while, and it's making me think about a lot of things differently anymore. But this definition of generosity is this, readiness and liberality in giving. Readiness and liberality in giving. And I absolutely love that definition, this idea of being ready to give, right? Being prepared to be generous, right? Uh, adjusting my life so that I, I can be generous, so that I can be giving at a moment's notice. I love that idea for my life of just being ready. And then this other, di this other idea of, of being liberal with what I'm giving. I'm not keeping track, I'm not keeping account of what I've given. It's like, oh, I've hit my giving budgets. I'm done now, uh, right? Or, uh, you know, I remember I already gave you something, so I'm not giving you anything, anything else, right? It's like, man, just give it. I'm just making it rain, man, you know, like just sending it out uh, because I'm ready and, and just, you know, I, I'm not keeping track of that stuff. I love that definition. And quite frankly, I, that's who God is, right? God is ready to give, God is overwhelmingly generous. Why? Right? Well, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, I think lets us know why, right? Is that God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because he's a cheerful giver. Right? That's the character of God. God, God loves to give. God's generous. He's overwhelmingly generous. Actually, when you begin to read through the scriptures, you see his generosity again and again throughout the Bible. We've already talked about it, right? He's created uh, all of creation. He's put his image in you. He literally gave you life and breath to live, right? You begin to read through the account of the Old Testament, and you see that God is taking care of his people. He sets them free from Egypt. He gives them a promised land. He provides a 
uh, food and manna and quail, right? Water, all this stuff while they're out in the desert. Nothing ever runs out. You fast forward to Jesus. He's feeding thousands of people with fish sticks and a couple of biscuits, right? Like it's just absolutely amazing how generous God is. And not only is he generous with resources, he's generous with himself. If you've ever read the account of Moses in Exodus, one of the things that God says to Moses is this, I'm asking you to do something that's going to be huge. I'm going to be with you. I will be with you every step of the way. Right? He's generous with himself. In fact, after Jesus' resurrection, for every single person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, God gives himself through the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And so this God that has revealed himself through the scriptures is overwhelmingly generous. He is ready to give, and he's giving with liberality. And I want to focus in on this aspect of God's character for just a moment, to kind of just soak in it for a second. And to do that, I want to ask this question, and you don't have to answer it out loud, but my question is this. Have you ever been robbed? Like, for real. Like, have you ever, have you ever been, uh, I always, it never always comes out weird when I say it, but have you ever been burgled, right? <laughs> right? That's actually the right word, burgled, uh, right? But have you ever been the victim of a burglary, right? Or have you ever been robbed? Uh, I remember years ago, this was probably, uh, probably 15, 16 years ago, um, somebody broke into my truck overnight, and I didn't really realize that I like get in my truck, I'm getting ready to go to work, I go to start, I look over my glove box and it's like open and there's stuff like all over the seat and I'm going, that's weird, I don't remember doing that. So I'm like putting stuff back and cl- like, like it's not even registering with me at all. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, right. I realized that someone had broken into my truck. And of all the nights, this was the one night when I left my wallet in my truck. And so they had taken all of the cash that was in there. They had taken my wallet, um, right? It was all gone. And I was just devastated because I'm one of those, like, I do what you're not supposed to do. My license is in there, my social security card, my birth certificate, my, right, my blood type, um, all of this stuff, the deed to my whole life is right in my wallet. I'm like Costanza, right? It's all just smooshing it together. But anyways, so it's gone. And I, I am just sick to my stomach, I couldn't believe it. And, and I remember, I remember just feeling angry. I was, I was angry. And then after I was done being angry, I remember feeling really violated. It, I, I remember feeling that. I remember starting to feel suspicious of other people. Was it you? Did you take it? Was it you? I'm actually asking, did you take my wallet? No, okay, all right. Um, <laughs> um, right? Like, I just, all of these emotions started going through me. I kind of began to start to feel unsafe, even about my own house. Like, if they're willing to break into my truck that's right in my driveway, what would stop them from going another step further of breaking into my home? And then, right, all of these emotions are going through. That somebody came in, they took what didn't belong to them, they claimed it as their own, And then they went and did whatever they wanted to do with it. I have no clue what they did with it, but they used it however they want. And I wonder if that, something like that has ever happened to you. And my question is this, what would you do if you caught the person? 
What would you do if the person who robbed you, burgled you, whatever, what if, what if they were caught and you were able to go face to face with them? Would you yell at them? Would you, would you wag your finger in their face? Would you have them arrested? Would you make them pay you back? Would you have them prosecuted to the full extent of the law? What would you do? What if you knew the person who stole from you? What if they were a really close friend? What if they were closer than that? What if it was your kid? What if it was your parent? Right? What would you do? What would you do if somebody stole from you and you found out and you knew that they stole from you? The reality is that God has given you life. He has placed his identity all over you. He's given you purpose. He's given, he's invited you to, to walk with him in a profoundly personal relationship. And what we have done is we have taken all that God has so generously given to us and we have claimed it as our own. And we do whatever we want with it. This is my life. I determine my purpose. I determine my identity. This is my money that I earned and spent my time on. It's mine. And yet, when you begin to realize that God owns everything, you begin to see, I, with that mentality, I'm actually robbing God. I've robbed the Lord, and he knows about it. And he knew it while I was doing it. And he knows it even when I try to hide from it. And my question is, would God be justified to feel angry about us robbing from him? Would he be justified to feel violated? Would he be justified in feeling suspicious? Would he be justified if he were to isolate himself from us and say, I cannot trust you. You've stolen from me and you continue to do it. By the way, he's all of those things. He is angry. He is suspicious of us and he has every right to be. Um, right? All of those things. All of that's true. And yet, and yet, There's a passage in the Gospel of John that my guess is most of us have heard it. Many of us may have it memorized, but it goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so God knows that I've robbed him. God knows that you've stolen from him and he doesn't come and he doesn't yell at you and he doesn't arrest you and he doesn't make you pay and he doesn't prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. All of that happens though, but it doesn't happen to you. Who's it happened to? Jesus. Jesus stands in our place as a thief. He stands in our place as a robber, as a burglar, And he's the one who takes on the full persecution of the law. 
all of God's wrath, all of God's anger, all of God, right, everything that should be squarely pointed at us, Jesus steps in the way, and he takes all of that. And then what do you and I receive in return? A gift. We're given more. This is what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, and I love the way that the Amplified has it. It says this, for it is by grace God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God. And so what does God give to the robbers and the burglars and the thieves who have stolen his identity, who have stolen his life, who have stolen his creation and claimed it as our own? He gives us more. Do you see how generous God is? Do you see how ready to give he is? Do you see how liberally God gives? And when you receive the generosity of God, who is Jesus, by the way? Jesus is the generosity of God. And when you receive him and you see that and you recognize that and the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to that, what he ends up doing is he ends up moving your heart and he actually empowers you to become what you were created to be from the beginning, a steward of God's generosity to those around you. And so I told you earlier that I was going to share with you a secret to generosity. I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to say it, and you're not going to like it, (laughs) all right? It's going to feel underwhelming, and you're going to kind of go, oh, that's what it is. (laughs) Here's the secret to generosity. It's this. Give up ownership and step into stewardship. That's the secret. Give up ownership and step into stewardship instead. You see, there there's, comes a place that when you have met Jesus, when he's transforming your heart, when he's changing your life, when you realize what we have received by grace, you come to the place where you make the decision that nothing is mine. I am simply a manager of God's things. None of this belongs to me. I can't claim ownership of any of it. It's all his. And I'm simply managing it for his glory. And I know some of you are going, well, why would I do that? Why would I give up ownership? Why why would I step into stewardship instead? And I'll give you a couple reasons why you would do that. Because if you step into stewardship instead of ownership, what it'll do is it'll actually cause you to rely on God even more. It's what you're designed to do. Stepping into stewardship will actually cause you to rely on God even more, and you will end up growing into the character of Jesus. This is who Jesus is, by the way. Look, go read through the Gospels. Jesus relied on God for everything, every moment, every day. He didn't even make decisions without talking to the Lord first, talking to the Father, being led by the Spirit. 
And so it's going to cause you to rely on God. Also, another reason is God will use your generosity to lead the people you love into genuine faith. He does it. He does it. He'll actually use your generosity, your stewardship of his generosity to lead other people into genuine faith. And here's the last thing. You realize that God takes great joy in you being a steward of his generosity. It pleases him. He enjoys it. He loves watching his people be givers and be generous, right? And, and so if we're going to step into that, the question is like, well, how do I do that? How do I, how do I give up ownership and how do I step into stewardship? And I'm going to tell you what it is. It's this. It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in all seriousness. You can't discipline yourself into it. You can't put together, put together your five-point plan. Um, it is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that you step into that. And, and I know that actually for this church, for both loca- all of our locations, actually, you need to know this. Like our churches are generous churches. I'm not talking to people who don't understand this and don't know this. This is actually true of our churches today. Lighthouse, Bluffton, Living Hope, right? All of that. These are generous churches. They're generous with their finances. They're generous with your time serving in ministry. You are generous with your friendship. I was just sharing with one of our teams this morning. Uh, if you're a guest here, we'll typically send out just a little link to uh, a feedback uh, form on there. And it's usually like, hey, if you're a first-time guest, what did you really enjoy about your time here? What stood out to you? Or if you're a second-time guest, what, what caused you to want to come back? Time and time again, when a first-time guest fills that out and it says, what did you enjoy most or what stuck out to you most about your time at Lighthouse this morning? Almost, I would say, nine to nine and a half times out of ten, what is said is this. It wasn't the teaching. It wasn't the music. As surprising as it wasn't the donuts. What it was is they say nine and a half times out of ten, this church is one of the friendliest, warmest churches I've ever walked in. That stuck out to me. And then when a second time guest fills out and go, what caused you to come back? I'm going, okay, great. Now it's time for them to talk about the teaching. No! (laughs) I came back because this church really seems to love me. This is a generous church. Bluffton Community is a generous church. Living Hope is a generous church. I'm not talking to people who don't understand this, right? You're stepping into that. And so all I'm inviting you to do is to do what 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 talks about. Or some of you guys have been, man, finally, I've been holding my finger there this whole time, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 says this. But since you excel in everything... You excel in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. What Paul is saying is this. We, we want to grow as Bible readers. We want to grow as prayers. We want to grow as people who serve those around us. We want to grow in sharing the gospel. And he says in the same way that you want to grow in all those ways, grow in the grace of giving. Right? Take a step. And so that's simply, that's all I'm inviting us to do as a church as we walk through this theology of generosity is to take one step. And so one thing that you might do that could be helpful is to simply reflect on God's generosity. That would be a great starting place for some of us to take a step. In fact, if you look at your your connection card, I meant to bring one up here with me and I forgot about it, but um, if you look on the back of your connection card, you flip it over, there's actually a next step on there that says, hey, send me the 66 examples of God's generosity guide. And what this is, this is a resource I came across this last week um, where 
every single, there's 66 books in the Bible, that every single book of the Bible, an example and a passage is pulled out that really reveals the generosity of God. And so that would be a great tool to use to simply reflect on God's generosity and how wonderful he is. And so if you want to get that, check that box on the back of your connection card. Make sure your email's on the front. We'll be sure to send that to you tomorrow morning. But I think reflecting on God's generosity actually helps us to grow in that. Um, Here's the other thing, because I'd mentioned that this is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. I actually think uh, another way you step into this is to continually confess and repent when ownership rears its ugly head, right? When I start stepping into an owner's mentality. And by the way, I battle with this still today. I've been walking with Jesus for 26 years. And there are times when an ownership mentality pops up. And when I recognize it or the Holy Spirit reveals it to me, it's like, man, I have to, I have to confess that. I have to repent of that. It just shows up at some of the most weirdest times. And what ends up happening is, is I ask the question, right, for me, and it ends up being, well, what's going to be left for me? What about me, right? That's always where that question pops up when maybe God is inviting me in to be a steward of his generosity in a moment. I go, well, what about me? Here's the truth I've learned. I am the biggest barrier to God's generosity through me to others me. I am the biggest barrier to God's generosity through me to other people. And what I have learned is I have learned that stewardship and I've learned that generosity is actually less about the money. And it is far more about trust. This is, this is what I've learned. That generosity, right, being a steward of God's generosity is way less about the dollars, and it's way more about trust. And so the decision for me isn't, do I have the money to do this? Do I have the resources to do this? Do I have the whatever to do this? The question is, do I trust God to care for me more than I trust for these resources to care for me? That's, that's, that's the tipping point, right? That's where it is. And so I think that's, that's why the secret is giving up ownership and stepping into taking at least, at least one step into stewardship. Now, I know that in a room of this size at both locations, people joining us online, that there are people in the room today that you're going, I hear what you're saying, but what you don't understand, Fritz, is I have been burned financially by other organizations. I have been burned by other churches. And so you're saying all the things that they've said before, and I don't trust anybody. And so here's what I want to say to you. I'm really sorry that that happened. I'm sorry that there are people who leverage the gospel of Jesus Christ for the purpose of filling their own pockets. That's not how it's supposed to be. And I want to tell you, that's not who Lighthouse Community is. That's not who Bluffton Community is. In fact, we, we have so many things in place. The fact that we have an elder team, the fact that we have a deacon team, the fact that we have so many leaders who are part of the decision-making process here, it is impossible for one person to drive this thing by themselves. And so we have safeties in place for that. But I also know that some of you, you're really worried about taking care of your family. And you're going, if I do this, if I do this, 
Am I going to be able to take care of my family? And the question that I would just throw up is, do you believe that God will care for you and your family? Do you think God loves your family more than you do? I know he does. I know God loves my family more than I love my family. And God can care for my family better than even I can care for my family. And, and what if, the thing that I think about is, what if the legacy for me is less about leaving a really solid financial base or financial security that I hand off to my kids or whoever, and it was more that I left them a life led by faith in Jesus Christ. And that they saw their dad put his trust in the God who owns everything in very real and practical ways. What if they saw that? So I get some of you are wrestling. How do I take care of my family? And I want to say this too, this is kind of practical. I think there's different seasons of generosity for families and for as people are going through. Because some of y'all, like your house is just filled with these tiny little ones. And you're just struggling to make things together. You're going, how in the world am I supposed to step into generosity? There's going to be a day when all those people leave your house. There should be a day when all those people <laughs> leave your house. And things will change for you. And you may be able to step into a season of greater generosity during that time than you could when you had all these people living. So please don't heap this guilt on yourself right? Oh, maybe I'm not doing enough. I know this person's doing that. I know, you know, no, no, no. What do you care what another one of God's servants does? That's his servant. They're not your servant. That's his steward. You're his steward. You talk to the Lord, right? You talk to the Lord about that. The last thing I want to say is this, is that some of you are waiting to have enough to be generous. Once I have enough, then I'll be generous. Generosity is not an income level. It's not. In fact, statistically, the more a person makes, the less they give. So if you're waiting until you hit this financial benchmark, and then I'll be really generous, you won't, statistically. You won't. The more somebody makes, the less they give. This, this isn't a money issue, I'm telling you. This isn't about money. This is about trust. This is about seeing that, the, that God owns everything. Everything, even down to the next breath that I'm about to take, that one belongs to the Lord. It's not even mine. And if he chooses to give it to me, it's a gift. And if he chooses not, then that's his choice. It's as a trust issue. He is a generous God. He is a good father. And because of Jesus, you can be a steward of God's generosity to others as well. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I want you to ask Jesus this question. Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message right now? And then I just want you to listen to him for a moment. Father, again, I am, even in this moment, in front of my friends, I am struck by how insignificantly small I am compared to you. And at the same time, I am the apple of your eye. You know 
the hairs on my head. You know the days of my life. They are numbered before you. You know my thoughts and the intentions of my heart before I even recognize them and realize them. How good and generous and gracious you are. And my prayer for myself and for my family is that your Holy Spirit would teach us and empower us how to step into stewardship and how to steward, how to manage your generosity to other people for your glory and for your gospel. Would you do that among your people even today? We want to pray for you. And so what's going to happen is we're going to sing one more song. The band's going to come up here and and lead us in one more song. And if you want to pray, uh, you're going to have an opportunity in just a moment to slip out of your seat, head down the aisle, and go to one of our four corners here in the room to be able to pray with one of our leaders. And so these are people who, they are ready to pray with you. They would love to pray with you. Uh, They've been thinking about praying for you uh, this weekend and today. And so I'm going to ask those prayer leaders, if they haven't moved yet, if you'll start heading to one of the corners this morning. And and, and I know for many of you, uh, this is something you use on a regular basis, and I think that's great. And for others of you, you've wanted to. And you're going, I I don't know, I get nervous, I get afraid. What's going to happen up there? And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in one of these corners. Uh, you'll come up. You, maybe you'll introduce yourself. Hey, my name's Fritz. And this prayer leader will go, how can I pray for you? And you'll just share. I'm facing this thing. This is something I felt like God was speaking to me on, but I'm afraid to trust him. You know, whatever it may be. And you're just going to share it. Um, and then this person is going to pray for you. Um, it's a wonderful, amazing gift. It's a way for us to be generous uh, this morning with our church family. And so I'm going to ask you here in the house, uh, if you'll stand as we prepare to sing and we prepare to worship. We just, we just ask during this time, um, just that nobody leaves the room. This is a time to really focus in on the Lord. Unless you have an emergency, I get that. And you got to step out. But if you can, just kind of be in this moment. And, and let me say this too. Don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Because every single one of us, we need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. And so this is just a way that we can carry burdens with one another. So uh, I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to invite you to come down as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to pray, don't wait. We would love to pray with you this morning. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.